Lord, uh, living in this world today is not always an easy task. But you've called us to be faithful. Indeed, you've called us to be tenacious, to be people who hang on and dig in and keep moving. We know we can't do that without you. We've got a wonderful example of biblical characters who did. We have the blessed example of your son, Jesus Christ, who is tenacious to the end. We pray now that you'll bless our time in this word in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were here last week, we talked about one of the most challenging aspects of leadership. It's called making decisions. But I'm going to tell you that today we're going to talk about another part of leadership that is uh, really isn't that easy. In fact, today's topic from the Bible separates real leaders from wannabes. Now, this may be one of the most important lessons that any of us who are leaders can learn. Now, I can personally guarantee you that whatever form your leadership takes, whether you're a leader at home or at school or in church or in the community, wherever God has chosen to plant you for this moment in time, you will have a point at which you're going to be tempted to throw in the towel. There will be times when you feel like walking away from it, and that walking away would be the most attractive option and would be the easiest thing to do. Now, I can tell you from experience that that's the way it is sometimes. Two times in my pastoral ministry, I've thought about just quitting, that maybe the best thing to do would be to stop. But it's at that time when God grabs your attention and tells you things like, be bold, be strong, be courageous. You know, thy Lord, the God, go with you. That's the time that you just keep pressing on. And it's at that point that you earn your stripes as a Christ follower. Now, I can look back and I can attribute any success that I've ever had in my life to this one simple biblical principle. It's called tenacity. But at the same time, I can also attribute uh, the failures I've had in life to the absence of this leadership quality. When I just decided enough was enough and I wasn't going to work very hard at some things. Most of my failures in life, I can't speak about yours, but most of mine have been a result of quitting too soon. And I think about the days, almost 18 years of coaching basketball You know, I know that it's one thing to be defeated, it's one thing to be outscored by another team, but it's quite a different thing to take your ball and go home just because you've fallen behind in the count or because the opposition just seems too big, too great, or because it took longer than you thought it should be, should, should in order to get the results that you thought you should have. That's why I'm saying you need to be tenacious. And that's why, I don't know, this is, my, this is my tenacious tuna, but this is not really tuna. I don't know if you can see this, but it's just one Christ follower, one little fish swimming against the stream. He's going in the opposite direction than anybody else. And, you know, what really is that? That's you and I as Christ followers. There are times where we're going to feel like we're swimming against the current when we're going against the tide of what's popular in our country today. Now, what does it really mean to be tenacious? Well, if you look at every person who has ever accomplished anything in their Christian life, I think you're going to find three words, and we're going to talk about these as we go through today, 
that define their Christian work ethic. It's words like direction and determination and discipline. Now, you can find these attributes in a lot of great leaders in our world today, a lot of them in history. Uh, But today we're going to talk about people who exemplify this in the Bible. I think most of you know the Apostle Paul. You've heard stories as you read your scriptures. You know that Paul, even though he was in prison for a great portion of his life, wrote approximately one-third of the entire New Testament. I mean, here is a man who at the end of his life, you could say he preached sermons, he planted churches, he saved souls, he made disciples, he wrote books, he faced all kinds of persecution all along the way. There was sickness, there was poverty, there was persecution, there was abandonment, there were shipwrecks. He was bitten by a poisonous snake, uh, and he was locked up in jail. But he kept on going like the Energizer Bunny. You could not stop that guy. And in fact, you couldn't stop him until finally he was able to say in 2 Timothy, the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And actually, in my notes, you can't see, but what I wrote to myself under that Bible passage was this. What a great thing to be able to say at some point in life. That I fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. I have run the race. I mean, what a great thing to be able to say. Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, I read to you a little bit before, uh, Paul talks about his philosophy of ministry. And again, I just want to remind you, every time you hear the word ministry, we're not talking about pastors. We're not talking about directors of Christian education or, you know, any other kind of, quote, professional church worker. Because ministry is anything you do for somebody else in the name of Jesus. That means that every last one of you, you know, Herman, you're a minister. That's, that's what you are. Carson, you're a minister. Now, we know Katie's going to be a minister. You know, I'm a pastor. Eddie, you're a minister. John, you're a minister. Nancy, you're a minister. You have opportunities to do things for other people in the name of Jesus. But you're going to need tenacity. And Paul, when he talks about his philosophy of ministry, deals with it. There's three habits that tenacious, Christ-following ministers must follow. And so whatever your place of ministry is, I think your success is going to be determined by the extent to which you adopt these. Here's the very first thing. The tenacious leader does not look back. I feel like I've been preaching on this for about five or straight weeks about don't look back, keep pressing on. But Jesus said that no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. Now, I'm not a farmer, but we had farmers in my first church. I know we don't have any farmers in this church. They're ranchers, aren't they, Jimmy? That's right. And Wayne, don't you forget that. <laughs> we had farmers in our first church, and one of his name was Russ Anderson. And Russ always wanted to let me come out and ride the combine and the tractor all the time. And at one time, I snuck out one day, and he was going to let me plow, just to get ready to plant. And when we got from one end of the field to the other, he said, I think I better do this. And now, why? It was because I was always looking where I was going, kind of looking behind. And what he said, the secret to that is look down the field, see the fence post, and drive to the fence post. 
and you'll have a straight thing. Well, you know, you can't be looking back and expect to plow a straight line. Now, he's saying here, Paul is saying, uh, the Christ life is a forward-looking life. It always looks ahead. It never looks back. That's why I, I jump on people who say, well, I guess you're about ready to retire, aren't you? I mean, it's like I'm just going to sit at home all day and do nothing. That's not the role of any Christ life. Say it to you one more time. Retire is what you do at night. Reenlist is what you do in the morning. You keep moving forward. Life cannot be lived through the rearview mirror. Life is not lived in reverse. It can only be lived moving forward, doing what God has called you to do, wherever he's called you to do it. But if you're not careful, you can waste your life looking back. And I've talked to a lot of people over the years who are really miserable because they spent their whole life looking back. They, they relive all of their past hurts. They relive all of their past mistakes. They relive all of their regrets, their failures. And they spend their whole life saying, if only, if only, if only. Well, leaders are especially prone to do this. Because wins and losses, successes and failures tend to rest on your shoulders. I spoke with a coach about 15 years ago, and he told me that 15 years later, he was still tormented by some of his play calls during the final game that cost his team the championship. He kept saying, "Why? I don't know why I didn't do it differently. I don't know why I made that call. I wish I had done something else. Well, you might want to know who that coach is, huh? You know, was this a coach of some... One of the NCAA powerhouse teams? Nope. He was the coach of a little league team in the little town of Maple Park, Illinois, where Nancy and I used to live. But he could not stop looking back. He still worried about a bad call in a little league game 15 years ago. And I suppose since that time he's continued to worry. But to be clear, it's good to look at your mistakes, learn from your mistakes. But it's a bad idea to be like a pig and wallow in them. So this is how Paul described his approach to life in Philippians 3. But this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Jesus Christ. Now, we all know that we're on a race. And by the way, this is, this is, not a, this is kind of a marathon. But it is kind of a sprint at the same time. We've got our goal out there in heaven, at least if you're a Christ follower. Isn't that your goal in life, to get to heaven? Okay. And so you're pressing on, but all along the way, you want to keep moving forward. It doesn't really make much difference how fast you're going. I mean, some people, it takes 90, 100 years to get there. Some people, they sprint to heaven. They're here, they're gone. God's got them. But we're called to move forward. See, in today's text, Paul uses a boxing analogy, too. Uh, a runner. I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I don't fight like a man, you know, beating the air, some shadow boxer. So he's focusing. He's living forward rather than living backwards. Uh, being in coaching for so long, I, I picked up a lot of praises from a variety of different coaches. I kind of keep them handy at different times. But some of you remember a National Football League coach by the name of George Allen. And George Allen, who I know coached the Washington Redskins and maybe a few other teams along the way, had a little placard that sat on his desk. And on it, it said, is what I'm doing right now taking me closer to my ultimate goal of winning? 
I think that's what all of us need to do. To take this little inventory of ourselves and ask ourselves, is what we are doing right now as Christ followers, is what we are doing right now as a church perhaps, are we moving toward this prize and are we taking people along with us to this prize or are we just merely living in the past? Tenacious Christ followers don't look back. They keep pressing on. That's why I adopted three words into my life when I left my first church. Many of you know those words. It's vision, mission, passion. See the vision, live the mission, feel the passion. These are words that mark my journey in life. And there's not a day that goes by that I do not reflect on those words. But that's a sermon for another day. I only got one more, don't I? I guess I have to talk about it next week, huh? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> All I'm just saying is that just know this, leaders don't look back. Here's the second thing. A leader does not give up. A nation's leader doesn't give up. Proverbs 24, Solomon says, For though a righteous man falls down seven times, he rises again, but the wicked are brought down by calamity. Now, it's not that good leaders never make mistakes. Oh, gosh, I, I could probably write a short book on all the mistakes I've made as a leader being a pastor. I could write all kinds of mistakes when I was a leader as a, as a parent. I could talk about my leadership failures in, in coaching. Um, the difference is... I really don't like using any of those as excuses in order to quit. What do you do? You know, remember the very first time, you probably don't remember that, but the very first time you decided to get up and try to walk? Wait till Tyler, one day he's going to decide to get up and walk. He takes that first staggering step and just face plant. He rolls over and he thinks to himself, never going to do that again. But you know they will. You got those little worm burners and curtain climbers at your house. Boy, once they get, when you get them going, there's no looking back. I've got a picture here of William Blake. William Blake said, mistakes are easy. Mistakes are inevitable. But there is no mistake so great as the mistake of not going on. You know, when you fall down, when life knocks you down, when you experience tragedy in your life, when the battle seems to go on forever, that's when you're most likely to want to quit. And that's when you most need to press on a little harder, push a little further. I always loved the Rocky movies. Um, and uh, I'm in his last one when the movie was called Rocky Balboa. Uh, there's a scene in that movie where Sylvester Stallone takes his young son aside. And his son is worried that his dad gets keeping knocked down too many times. And so... Uh, Rocky says to his son, let me tell you something you already know. This world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place. And I don't care how tough you are. It will beat you to your knees and keep you permanently there if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life, but it ain't about how hard you get hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward, how much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you are worth, go out and get what you are worth, but you've got to be willing to take the hits and not pointing fingers, saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that, and that ain't you. You're better than that. Pretty bold words, huh, from Rocky? Now, it may not be grammatically correct, but in every other measurable way, a statement can't, can't be any more than accurate. 
that's how winning is done. It's, it's not a matter of how often you get knocked down a lot. Guess what? If you live long enough, you're going to lose loved ones. That's, some of those are blindside hits. And I know from playing football, I got blindsided a couple of times. I just didn't go, well, I think I'm going to crawl off the field for a while. Not you get up and you chase after it again. It's inevitable. It's a question of just getting back up. You know, pardon me for all my sports analogies today, but I was filing away some books the other day. But I had a picture of Babe Ruth, and I remember Babe Ruth saying, you can't get beat, or you just can't beat the person who never gives up. Or are we going to get a little bit closer to home? Ross Perot, huh? Ross Perot, many people give up just when they're about to achieve success. They quit on the one-yard line. They give up on the last minute of the game, one foot away from a winning touchdown. Now, Paul puts it the same way. You know, he says, run in such a way to get the prize. Don't quit until you you reach the finish line. That's what tenacious leaders do. They don't give up. Well, here's the third thing. Tenacious leaders do not sell out. Verse 27 of our text. I beat my body, he says, and I make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. You know, in a strange way, when I read this text, I thought, this could be me. This could be me. What, what, if, what if I preached this all my life and I failed to grab it myself? That's kind of what Paul is saying. I don't want to be the kind of person who tells people one thing and then goes and lives another way and end up not getting what I told other people that they could gain. See, when we fall, we struggle with the temptation to quit. When we succeed, this may surprise you, we struggle with the temptation to coast. But you know the tenacious leader does neither. He does not give up and he does not coast. They never stop paying whatever price God puts in front of them. I mean, athletes never get to the point of where they skip a workout altogether. Uh, Even the great people, I watched a little bit of the NFL Hall of Fame induction the other day, You know, even those Hall of Fame guys will tell you how hard they worked every last single day to get to where they got the prize. See, the tenacious leader, too, never stops paying the price. I hope you understand, friends, that if you're a Christ follower, if if you're living the Christ life, you will never, ever get to the point where the basics of life, the spiritual disciplines of the Christian life, are unnecessary. I mean, I might say I'm, I'm stepping aside from pastoring a church, but that does not mean I'm going to stop reading my Bible. Uh, it's not going to stop me from praying. I mean, for you too, reading the Bible and praying and worshiping and serving, these things never go away for one of God's children. We'll never get to the point where we are no longer required to forgive people or love our enemies or serve with humility or give sacrificially or to walk obediently. See, in this way, living the Christian life looks exactly the same for an old saint as it does for a young saint. Now, we've got a few old saints in here. I won't point them out or anything, but you all know who you are. You've been at this a long time, and you've been plugging at it a long time. The requirements are the same for a 70, 80, 90-year-old person as they are for a 7, 8, or 9-year-old. The basics never change. Tenacious Christ followers know that. They understand that the Christian life requires the same discipline today as it did 10 years ago or 20 years ago, 30, 40, 50. 
I mean, some things in my life are so ingrained, I'm not even sure how I could stop doing them. I tried skipping church once about 20 years ago. I was out at the NCAA Regional Championships in Lincoln, Nebraska with my brother-in-law. And on Sunday morning, I woke up with a start. I almost had a heart attack. I said, oh, my gosh, I overslept. I said, hold it. I'm not at home. I can be like a real Lutheran and stay in bed and skip a Sunday. Guess what? I couldn't do it. I could not bring myself to do it. And so you might say, out of a sense of habit, I got up. Well, that's a good habit to develop. Well, I bet you're going to be really happy when you don't have to write a sermon anymore. I have a feeling I'm going to write one every week for the rest of my life as long as God gives me the strength. Now, I may not preach them all. doesn't mean I'm not going to stop. I'm going to stop. You never reach the place in your life where you coast out of life. You know, tenacious leaders, tenacious Christ followers, don't sell out even when success makes it possible. You run at full speed. That's why we go back to these three words. Let me, they could be up on the screen here. Just look at them again. Direction, determination, and discipline. Direction, don't look back. We don't live in the past. We're not reveling in our glory. You know, like that Bruce Springsteen song, Glory Days. You know, we always remember the past. We just keep moving forward. Uh, this church is rapidly approaching next year its 95th anniversary. Oh, it's really tempting sometimes to talk about the good old days, isn't it? I mean, Lord of Life, where we came from, is about coming up in about 25 years. And, and there for a while we used to say about the good old days, you know, we had to load all the chairs in the altar in a horse trailer and set it up in a school and tear it down afterwards and, you know, smashing our fingers in those old metal chairs. That's okay. You stand on the shoulders of those who go ahead of you, but you go forward for the next 95 years. Determination just means we don't give up, not when it's easiest to give up. And so we just get up and we try again. And discipline means you don't sell out, you don't kick back, you don't coast, you cross the finish line with the same sense of commitment that we demonstrated right off the starting blocks. Have you thought about Jesus lately? I don't know, it seems like an odd question. Have you thought much about Jesus lately? Jesus, when he came to this world, faced some pretty big challenges. I mean, he willingly left the throne of God to become a man. How degrading is it for the Son of God to become an honest-to-goodness human, to be born out of a sinful woman. You know, but when God asked him about it, he didn't say, can I get out of this? It said he set aside that position. There are other challenges he had, and one of the big challenges I was thinking about the other day was just Jesus kneeling by this rock. That's the way I remember it. It was the stained glass window in the church I grew up in back in Nebraska. It was Jesus on this rock praying in the garden, and he was praying so hard. It said that the, it was like sweating blood. And he was saying, Lord, if there's any other way to get out of this, show me the way. But then he ends up by saying, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Imagine if Jesus, when the going got tough, had said, I'm sorry, this is more than I... I bargained for. This hurts. Uh, I quit. 
But you know something? Jesus is tenacity personified. You want to know what tenacity looks like? You look in the face of Jesus. Jesus was a man of direction. Read the gospel sometime and see how many times it talks about Jesus setting his face towards something. I mean, he got to the end of his life and said he turned and set his face toward Jerusalem. He knew where he was going. He knew what he was going to do. He was determined to do his job all the way to the cross and through the tomb. And believe me, he practiced the disciplines along the way, worshiping in his synagogues, teaching when he was asked to teach, and praying so much and so often at so many different times that his disciples said, Lord, teach us to do the same things. And then there came the time for Jesus to leave. But, you know, he didn't really leave us because he said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Lord, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. But he kind of merely sort of transforms his presence by sending us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that I like to call the resident president. And we got the resident president in us today who strengthens us when the going gets tough, who encourages us when we want to kind of coast in who draws us back to himself and says, I can give you what you need to do this. Now, you might ask yourself, why would I really want to do this? Well, I don't want to do it because of anything necessarily I get. I'm not interested in work righteousness. I'm not doing this so that God says, well, uh, come on, Barry, you can come sit up here with the, with the really big pastors. I don't know if he'd mean that figuratively or literally, but... Um, not, we're not doing those things. We're doing it out of a great response. And so, what does Jesus say? Jesus said in Revelation 2.10, i just leave you with this last passage. He said, be faithful unto death. He just said, do what I've called you to do until I call you home. And guess what? I'll give you the crown of life. There's reward at the end of the journey. Some people get to collect on their reward earlier than others. I know if you lose loved ones that you sometimes, I saw an article the other day, it was about famous people here in the United States, famous personalities, and the title was called People Who Died Too Soon. And I look at that and I think to myself, that's kind of sad in a way. Actually, the title should have been People Who Died When God Thought It Was Time. I'm not judging their Christianity or anything, but I know we mourn over losses. We need to do that. We are human beings. But at the same time, God says, you don't give up. You trust that God just decided that some people came home earlier than others. And to rejoice in that fact. To know that they were faithful in this life to their calling home date. And then God gave them this great reward, this crown of life. You guys are on the threshold of a brand new journey. Do you know that? But every day is. I have no idea what Nancy and I are going to do in the next number of years God gives us. But I seriously doubt that we will slow down much other than physically. There's still ministry to be done somewhere, some way, someplace with some people. You don't look back and say, oh man, wish I'd have never left First Lutheran. 
Oh, man, I wish I'd never left Lord of Life. Oh, man, I wish I'd never left Trinity. Oh, man, I wish I'd never left coaching. Now, God puts you in a place to move forward. It'd be kind of fun to hear the journey you guys are on in the months and the years and all that kind of stuff ahead to see what God does with you individually, what God does with this church, what God does in and through your families. And I just pray that all along the way to see to it it gets done, that you, you continue to be people of direction and determination and discipline, that you become, stay and remain tenacious Christ followers. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand for our-